Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined once again by the great Chris Burrito. Chris and I will discuss episodes three and four of the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. We'll also discuss the NBA's struggles to begin the first step towards resuming play. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how's your quarantine going? What's up, Stevie, baby? Um, Doing pretty good with the quarantine. It's been a month and a half. Uh, It's going pretty well. I'm getting used to all the walls in my room, all the walls in my house. My dog, I'm not go- I haven't gone mad yet, but one of the things that's keeping me sane has been this Michael Jordan doc, and, you know, we have a lot of thoughts on the last two episodes that we saw Sunday night, um, but let's start with the most obvious one, Dennis Rodman, what an enigma he was for the Bulls, like, you know, who's to say that the Bulls maybe wouldn't have won without him, but um, he was such an important piece of that that 78 98 team um but you know from his binge to like you know just his energy on the court like imagine a player like that in today's nba he would average like 20 rebounds per game yeah absolutely chris it was really insane to see his life you know dennis rodman was a crazy guy and the idea of just a player in today's nba saying hey i need to go to vegas for two three days in the regular season is is insane and Chris, like I keep telling you, I've been saying it for three years doing this show. The regular season doesn't really matter. Well, Dennis Rodman's the one, you know, is exhibit A of that. And just seeing what he's been able to do, you know, he he goes he goes to Vegas on a three or four day bender. You know, Jordan's got to go pull him out of Vegas with Carmen Electra, and then he <laughs> comes back and he he's dominating. You know, he's he's dominating in practice. He's dominating in games, and it, he's really a remarkable player. One of the more you know, iconic players of that era. Yeah. And then the other thing too, right? Like we complain a lot today for, you know, Kawhi Leonard taking one or two nights a week for load management. And here, here's Dennis Rodman taking off a whole week plus or whatever it was. Uh, But you know what? The Bulls knew what they had in him and knew what he needed. And and if he needed a few days, you know, that's what eventually catapulted them that season uh, or he was part of that obvious rise uh you know I, I should probably go to my employer tomorrow and say hey like i need a few days off to go to vegas and get take off some steam yeah i mean it's it's i mean phil jackson was kind of just like michael what do you think kind of ho- i guess you know and michael is like are you kidding me like we won't get him back on time he's not coming back in 48 hours and uh, michael eventually pulled him out and they win another championship it was just remarkable uh what do you think of this documentary so far chris do you think it's lived up to expectations what do you want to see going forward um all right so we're four episodes in i thought the first two um gave us an idea of how it would be you know pretty much going from the present to the past well not present but like from the 78-98 season to the past, and, you know, kind of giving us context behind all the players in that season. I I kind of liked it at first, um, but not, last night I liked it a lot less. I thought they were going all over the place. It was hard for me to appreciate. Even the Rodman binge thing that we mentioned earlier, I feel like they didn't go in depth enough. Like, you know, that should have been much more longer than it was, um, you know, maybe describing the panic of not finding him or like, you know, they should have just expanded that more. And like, we'll talk about the Pistons in a second, but you know, it also stepped on the toes of like that bad boys doc that we saw 
um, years years ago. And like it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, we talked about it before. I come from a family of not too big of sports fans, but they've been interested in the doc and they were very confused. You know, you and I kind of know the story. We know the players. We know the trades. But they were kind of like, wait, I thought, you know, Dennis Rodman was already a, a bull. They traded him back to the Pistons when they go from 90 to 94 when he, the, the trade and then to 98 and then back to 91 for the first championship. And I was like, no, they're, they're kind of just going out of order to give you the full context of what happened. But I think it's a little too much bouncing around. And again, the show, the movie is called The Last Dance. I want to hear about why that team broke up in that season. I want to hear about that season because that's to me the most interesting part. You know, you got Scotty Pippen and his contract stuff. You want yeah, Jerry Krause looking for more credit. Michael Jordan is saying, I'm not coming back without Phil, who has already been told he's not coming back. And to me, that's what I want to see more of. I get it. They have to do some background stuff. But again, we're now almost halfway done with this thing. So it's it's time to start seeing about that. Yeah. So maybe the problem is that they made this this doc maybe two episodes too long. And then to just go on your point, uh, the director, he said in an interview that the doc was designed for people who didn't know everything about Michael and like not the casual basketball fan. So to tailor it to a more you know general audience and based on what you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's a little confusing. I mean, I found myself a little confused at times and I thought, you know, you know, I know, you know, not everything about the 90s Bulls, but like I had a good idea of what things were. Um, but some of the things I do want to highlight from last night, you know, it was, you know, having Horace Grant there like talking about his battles with Michael against the the, the bad boy Pistons. And um, pretty much it seemed, it, it really felt like the Pistons and the Bulls still have some bad blood. Totally. Um, you know, just the way the bad boys play it. It's like, you know, it, it. I can see why in retrospect, a lot of people have a problem with it because, you know, they were, they could have ruined people's careers. Um and and their livelihoods, right? Yeah, and, and it just seems to me that like the, the bull the Bulls players haven't let go of it. You can see that Michael Jordan was still bitter about it. You know, even when he was shown Isaiah Thomas's like take on why he didn't shake hands with them after the was it the ninety one Eastern Conference Finals ninety one Eastern Conference Finals. You know, Michael Jordan was like, I don't want to hear it. You know, he's you know yeah, and you know what? I hope they get to it, but like. Michael had a big say in that dream team a few years later, and he chose to not put Isaiah Thomas on that dream team. And that's kind of where the idea that there is still animosity came from. And then he kind of further confirmed it during this doc. Uh, But I'm really interested to see more episodes and see how they get involved in this. But uh, let's move on, Chris. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Real quick about that, about, about what you just said. Isaiah, I, I believe he was on first take today and he said that you know he's still like pretty bitter about that he's upset about that still so you know maybe that's the most interesting storyline out of this whole documentary i hope they get to it yeah yeah you know i mean i just told i just told them do more of 97 98 the last season but at the same time if they can do 10 minutes on that i wouldn't hate it either (laughs) but i think next week is going to be pretty cool too right it seems like they they will touch on the dream team doc and they will also talk about, talk about the 98 all-star game in New York city where, you know, Michael Jordan played against Kobe. Uh, Jordan was named the final, the all-star MVP of that one. Uh, But it's just, I think anytime you get to see Kobe and Michael, it's like, it it connects 
our generation and their generation in one singular point, you know? Absolutely. It's pretty awesome to see. Uh, let's move on. The NBA is trying their best to get, you know, games back on. They announced teams are going to be able to go back to their practice facilities beginning May 1st if there's no stay-at-home restriction in that state. Within a few minutes, they immediately received blowback. And, uh, you know, the Atlanta Hawks GM came out and said, you know, we're not doing this. We're staying home until it's safe. The NBA announced that they're already moving it back at least one week to May 8th. Uh, no more than four players can be in the facility at one time. No coaches can participate and no group play allowed. They're going to have to wear masks, as you said before the show, Chris, at all times, except when they're actually working out. And look, I don't know if this is a step forward. It it could be, you know, it looked like a step forward and then all of a sudden they're taking half a step back. Are you getting less optimistic that the NBA will return? I see it from a more optimistic point of view. It's still a positive step. It's still a positive step forward, even if it's on a minuscule scale. The one thing that kind of holds me back is the fact that players and, their, and the staff won't be able to be tested regularly. So I think that represents an issue that every team will eventually go for. Every sports team will eventually, eventually go to because, you know, you're not going to supply testing for, for athletes right now. You're going to supply testing for the American public that, we still need to get an idea of how this 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 virus really spreads and like how to stop it. Otherwise, like we're not going to see an NBA season anyway. So, it's, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But I think um, it was really tough because when we first started this, we thought six weeks from when the NBA finished, they were going to have mass testing available, and that they would be able to put them in a bubble and test these guys every three, four days. And it doesn't sound like not even every team has been tested once yet, Chris. So we're a ways away if we're going to get there at all. So I'm a little less optimistic because I thought testing would have come already. Yeah. Yeah. The country's moving a lot slower than I was hoping. Yeah, that's the real shame here. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I think uh, I think once the start of May, we'll, a lot of things will be much clearer. I think by the end of the month, we'll even know if there's an NBA season to to return or not. Yeah, and you know what, I'd I'd like that. Whether we get it back or not, just let us know in a month so we can stop talking about it and move on to other things like the NBA draft and the NBA lottery, and we can complain how the Knicks did not get the number one pick for the 80th straight year. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So let. Let's move on, Chris. Uh, Draymond Green, he sounded off on the Warriors' dynasty ending. And basically, he kind of blamed Kevin Durant for how things have, have gone. And basically, he talked about, you know, when they win a championship, people are still talking about how LeBron James is still the best player in the world. And, you know, Durant took offense to that. And it seems like, you know, once they came back for the 2017-18 season, Durant just wasn't happy. And I find it very interesting because it seems like they had a lot of bumps in the road. You know, those last few years with Durant after winning 73 games without him, then he comes in, they win a championship, and then things fell apart after that. So, Chris, how will Durant's time in Golden State be remembered 20, 30 years from now when they're doing this doc? So, first of all, Kevin Durant's legacy is very complicated. I think his time with OKC was, I think everyone views it at, and sees him as like the second best or maybe at times the best player in the NBA then. Um, but I think his time with the Warriors 
that conversation never went around him because of the people he had around him. And so a lot of it has to do with the public's affection or public's like, you know, appreciation of you. And frankly, Kevin Durant has a terrible relationship with fans. Like, I'm sure he's done a lot of great things. That's not to take away from any of that. But just the way he's displayed himself publicly, you know, reacting to tweets, you know, coming across as sensitive and, you know, as a public person, like, eventually things can get to you and that's understandable. But then your words carry a lot of weight and people will perceive that as they wish. But anyways, back to his basketball acumen. You know what? I don't think he'll be remembered as a hall. He'll be a Hall of Fame player for sure. But I don't think he'll be ever be considered as a top top player because of the supporting cast he had around him. And like, it's different. It's different than like Michael Jordan and Denton and Scottie Pippen and LeBron James with Dwayne Wade. Like, it just seemed like Kevin Durant just wanted to like chip in and like, here, I'll just win a championship. It, it'll be easier for me to win it with them than it was for OKC. I think if he wins at OKC, he's a legend. I also think if he wins with Brooklyn, he's a legend. Even though nobody really cares about the Nets, just the idea of him just winning on his own. You know, I know Kyrie's there, but it would be Durant's team. You know, when Durant got to Golden State, they were coming off the most regular season wins any team's ever had. And Steph Curry's a two-time MVP. Draymond Green's a defensive player of the year. You have a elite co- um Maybe I don't know what you think of a Steve Kerr, but he was still an above-average coach, along with a one of the best two or three or four shooters of all time in Clay Thompson. So this team had everything put together. They've won without him. So then when he comes in, a case can be made, as you said, that they didn't need him, that he was not the alpha dog, because at the same time, they probably could have won those two championships without him. And like, think about all the attention that Clay Thompson and 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 you know. Seven Curry get on a nightly basis. You know how many open shots Kevin Durant has or how many like easy shots he gets because of that? And again, like I don't want to diminish his talent because he's a remarkable, remarkable player. He doesn't need that many open shots to be effective. But at the same time, you know, he took the easy way out. And until he wins on his own, like LeBron did when he went back to Cleveland, this will be how he's remembered as a guy who jumped on a bandwagon. Right, that's a good point. Like, look at LeBron James. If I think the conversation around LeBron James wouldn't be as high uh, as high for him, like considering him as the goat, if he didn't win in Cleveland. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, the Warriors are without Durant. They replaced him with D'Angelo Russell. That didn't work. They replaced him with Andrew Wiggins. They also got a first round pick. They're going to have a top borderline top five pick this year. And next year, no matter what they do. So, Chris, what do the Warriors need to do to get this dynasty back on track? Really, just wait for Stephen Curry and um, and Clay okay. Thompson to be healthy. That's it. Yeah, health it's, is the most important thing. It's essentially, you have a, a great team already, and then you have Wiggins. Maybe they'll turn Wiggins into something. Um, and then you'll probably have a, a, a top pick this year that'll provide you some spark plug off the bench, no matter who he is or... Um, right now, so I was talking about this with our buddy Sebs. In reality, these injuries were sort of a blessing. You know, you never want to consider them that, but they kind of were because now the Warriors are in prime position to have some leverage and gain talent. And you saw what they did this year with all these, you know, the Eric Pascals of the world. Like, they developed the players that they had. And now they're well-suited next year to start 
and be one of the top teams in the West again. Yeah, I thought they were going to do that this year. But again, the, the, the year off might be a blessing in disguise. I mean, Curry got to miss most of the year. Clay missed the entire year. Dream on was in and out. They got some much needed rest after five straight finals appearances. That's two extra months of basketball every year. And at the same time, let's say they were great this year and they bust their butt. They might not have had a chance at a championship anyway with COVID. So yeah. we are talking about, they might have a shot at six straight finals appearances next year, Chris. It's, it's unbelievable what's going on there. And again, this is not an old team. You know, Steph just turned 32. Clay's 30. Draymond's younger. I think they have plenty of basketball left in them for another championship run. As you said, they're going to add somebody for the bench, you know, in this draft. If not, maybe they trade this top five pick for a veteran. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, too, if they can find the right guy. It's going to be tough, though, with their cap because they're paying four guys max salaries. Well, and then one more, and one last point about that, like LeBron is getting older. Houston... D'Antoni is going to be probably not going to return to the Rockets next year. Um, who knows how the Clippers are going to do this year? It seems like they had chemistry issues. Um, you know, there are a lot of question marks on other other teams. So, really, the path is still very open next year for the Warriors. But you know, we'll talk about that in, over the summer when we talk about our preview for the West. But it's interesting to see what happens to the Warriors, who like have rearmed themselves in less than a year. Yeah, uh, very well said there, Chris. I totally agree with you. Let's get to our final thoughts here. Chris, what is Aaron Gordon doing? He makes a diss track about Dwayne Wade costing him the dunk contest, toss him a million dollars. And Chris, you know, Aaron Gordon's made a ton of money. He's never won anything. He's been a very mediocre player these last couple years. Go in the gym. Go work on your jump shot. Go help the magic cause a little noise in the first round of the of the playoffs. And you know what? Go help this team cuz like this he's the guy who needs to step up for them. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had high hopes for the Orlando Magic this year. I expected them to be a top 6 team in the East because I thought he was going to make a move toward being a defensive player of the year type or defensive rest this year. Right. I mean, he's the type of guy who could probably defend 1 through 5. Like he's athletic enough. Like Honestly, stop complaining that you lost lost slam dunk contest. Like, there are literally, it's it'd be a shame to be remembered only for losing dunk contests. Like, but like Chris, he's got so much talent. He's a former top five pick. Does he really want to be remembered for winning slam dunk contest? Go go be a really good player in this league because he's very capable of doing it. And you know what? I think we think of him more because he lost this thing in controversial fashion than if had he won it. Like we haven't talked about Derek Jones Jr. Right, and the and the other thing too, um, it was a good track. I kind of enjoyed it, but okay. there you go. At the same time, like I think he's better than that, and I know it's the a pandemic is going on right now, and there are other things to concentrate on. But you know, I I believe in him. I think he could be a great player. I do too. He, I should, he should be an all star player. I think there's a very decent chance, unless the cap goes down big time this summer, that the Magic ship him out for a, for a guard. And I would be all over him if I was a rebuilding team. Just give him a change of scenery and see how he does. Speaking of Dwayne Wade, Chris, apparently he's working on a Redeem Team doc. So documentaries are all the rage right now. We got a Kobe one coming out. We have this one. You know, I think, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. But that being said... 
you know, the redeem team didn't really have a lot of controversy. You know, they just, they dominated the competition. Are we really going to care about this nearly as much, half as much, if there's sports going on? Yeah, I think it's still interesting. I saw all those games. I I thought Spain had a chance to beat them because I think it was, what, in the third quarter of the game, they were only they were only down 10. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think, I think this Redeem team will be especially important for people of our generation because that's virtually this, the first team we saw win a gold medal. Um, and I don't know. I think it's interesting. I'd watch it. I mean, I'll definitely watch it, but I'm saying, like... It's not think, as interesting. You're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? So I really want to propose for a banana boat doc. You know, with, okay. LeBron, with LeBron, Chris Paul, Mello, uh, who am I missing? Dwayne. You know, those guys kind of like changed the the way that other other basketball players like see, the, I guess, interact with each other. I don't know. It, it may have started with the AAU you know, circuit because, like, they all know each other from then. But, like, I think that's kind of, like, an interesting, like, generational thing where, like, you know, back, you know, we saw the bad boys basically, like, treat, you know, not shake hands or the Celtics not shake hands with the Pistons. You know, that's, like, not okay now. Yeah. So- uh, I'd also be, besides for that fact and seeing how the culture of the NBA changed, I think that's very interesting to see. I'd also love to hear stories of LeBron, Chris Paul, Wade, and and uh, and Carmelo hanging out. You know, I, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of amazing stories going on. You already heard the one a few weeks ago of Carmelo talking about how he was floating out to sea and LeBron with one hand carried him back to shore. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on. Maybe you don't need 10, 10 parts of this, but I'm sure they could get a couple good hours and uh, entertain us. I agree. I would I would watch that too. But yeah, that's gonna do it for us today, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And as always, you know, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and you know, we'll 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 come back to you next Monday for more reactions to the MJ Doc. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening.